You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast, where we talk about how to save your marriage no matter where you are. If you're at the beginning of your marriage and you just want to make sure you never walk down the wrong path, I can point the ways to go and what to avoid. If, however, you find yourself in a marriage crisis, you are also at the right place because we talk about how to come back from the edge. There are lots of other programs that focus on how to improve your marriage, but not many that know how to save your marriage, and that's what we focus on here. And today I want to focus on a place where I've been seeing a lot of people talking about the fact that they are just exhausted. Now, it's interesting, I'm I'm right now recording this, just right now I'm looking out the window and it is pouring rain. You may even hear a little pitter-patter in the background, but it's just coming down. It's such a gloomy, overcast day. And interestingly, that's kind of the feel I get from these people, that life is just gloomy and overcast. And so what we're talking about is how you combat crisis fatigue, which raises the question of, What is this crisis fatigue? So let's talk a little bit about that. These are some of the symptoms you might see. This is the exhaustion that a lot of people uh, tell me about when they're working on uh, saving their relationship. You know, the right mean just say, I'm just so bone tired and it doesn't matter how much I sleep. It doesn't matter what I do. I just feel so exhausted. And the problem is not a lack of sleep. It's a depletion of energy. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Others tell me about their lack of focus, that they they can't even get done what they want to get done. And so a lot of times, you know, what they had been focusing on and a lot of times even where they had been making gains suddenly just kind of fall apart. They just don't take action. And so this lack of focus ends up in this place of just saying, you know, I just don't care. I get this uh, many times from people. and, and, And here's the trick to this. When people are telling me they don't care, they clearly do care because they've reached out to me. um, and, And so there's a piece of them that knows they do. But what's coming out on the surface is the feeling of, I just don't care anymore. I just don't care. I can't deal with this. Or as one client told me, I've got the blahs, you know, just nothing does it. Uh, and this client was telling me, you know, they'll go to watch something exciting. It doesn't excite them. They watch something funny. It doesn't entertain them. They just have the blahs. There's just nothing there. Or maybe you feel it deeper than the blahs on the other side of negativity and hopelessness. Just every time, you know, something good comes along, you'll find a way of throwing some cold water on it. So maybe uh, somebody makes a a comment about uh, something and you just kind of negate it, right? You push it away and that's not your style. There are some people who just do that by habit, but I'm talking about people that have been working on saving their relationship and everything in life suddenly seems very negative and they just can't find a place to be upbeat. Well, those are all symptoms of this crisis fatigue. So let's talk about why this can happen. And it comes down to some biological facts about our system, our brain, our body, and how it's designed to work. You have this brain that can think thoughts in words, unlike 
as far as we know, any other animal, you can begin to recall. You know, if I said to you, hey, what happened last week? You can probably tell me some things that happened last week. Just verbally tell me, but also replay them in your mind. As far as we know, and I've, I've got both my dogs here looking at the rainy day, and I'm pretty sure I could just say to them, hey, do you remember what we did yesterday? And they would just look blankly at me. Do they get excited if we like head to the park? Sure, because they know what that means. But I can't say, hey, if you'll wait, tomorrow we'll go to the park. They have no sense of, of referencing that as far as we know. And so what we do in our own selves as humans is keep processing these crises. We keep thinking about them. We go over them. We probably have done this in your own life where you look at some conversation that went sideways and you, you put it under the microscope. You, know, you, you dissect everything that was said. Or you think back on an event and you put it under a microscope and you, you dissect every single action along the way. What did that mean? Why did I do that? Who said that? What did that mean? Around and around it goes, just in a, a circle that can just tear you down. And here's why. Your brain is well equipped at dealing with a crisis as it comes your way. That's what our ancestors did. You're walking along a path and something jumps out. In that immediacy, your brain tells your body to go on alert. It's time, it's time for action, right? And, and so that sudden drop of adrenaline and surge of energy is all designed to protect you in that moment. But fights don't last long. They don't go too long if something's attacking you. Someone's going to win or something's going to win one way or the other very quickly. In other words, the crisis is going to um, subside fairly quick. If you've ever watched the uh, nature movies, you'll see the antelope getting chased by a lion. And the antelope somehow gets away and is suddenly right back to eating and drinking as if nothing had happened a few minutes ago, because as far as that antelope is concerned, we're back to normal. That's how your body is designed. Your brain is designed to put it on alert. There's a problem, there's a crisis, there's a danger. You need to act on this. And your body takes action. But in terms of a relationship crisis, it very rarely goes away that quickly. And so instead of being able to resolve it the way our body is designed to deal with that immediate crisis in front of us, it keeps having to figure out what to do next. So it's in a perpetual state of crisis, and that's what leads to the fatigue. You'd be really good if it was like a five-minute conversation. You were able to talk about things, get back on track, and that was it. Maybe even a day, that would be it. But when it goes on for days and days, weeks and weeks, maybe even months and months, it begins to take down your system. Suddenly it's harder to cope because your brain is wired to keep your body on alert as long as that crisis is there, but it keeps taking away from your system. It's kind of like if you're revving your car all the time, you're just eating through your gas, right? If you're in your car and it's just idling, you could idle for quite a while before you went through uh, any of your gas. But let's say that you decide that you're going on a, a high-speed run. Well, that's going to eat through your gas. And the longer you go, the harder it is. And let's go one step further. Your engine probably could go pretty fast, like you're driving down the road and you have to get around a car very quickly or get away from you know, a situation very quickly. You stop on the gas, the engine revs, off you go, 
and then you ease off and your engine goes back to normal. Well, the same thing is true with your body. It's okay with that sudden surge for a short amount of time, but it has a hard time being revved up all the time. It starts eating through the resources. You start depleting your energy, depleting your capacity of focusing on things. I mean, we happen to know these issues that come into our body by, you know, experience. If you've ever run a long race, you know that somewhere along the way, the fatigue is not just in your body. It's in your mindset. It's in your mind. You have to keep telling yourself to keep going. And along the way, even if your body is capable of moving through, the stress on your system may tell your mind to give up. This is part of the mental stuff that endurance athletes have to train through because it's so hard on their thought process. If I were to go outside, I could sprint. I may not be super fast, but I could sprint for a little while. But I can't sprint that far. And I could run for a while, but I can't keep running. I've had conversations with people who have run you know, 50, 100-mile races, and they tell me that the worst part of it at a certain point is not the body fatigue because at some point your body's just tired. It's the brain fatigue. It's trying to stay focused, trying to stay on task. It just wears them down. I did a trail marathon, much shorter than those races, and I can tell you there was a, a bit uh, throughout that process where all I had to say was one foot in front of the other, next step, next step. I'm going to do this one step at a time just to keep moving forward. I had a lot of people who were running with me that gave up, not because their body was unable to go forward, but because they were exhausted by the process and they gave up. And this is what a lot of researchers have talked about of adrenal exhaustion. Your body can only deal with that pumping through the crisis for so long before it finally doesn't have any more to give. And that's where we hit this place of crisis fatigue. Now let's take it one step further. Your system is really well at adapting to situations. So right now I, I mentioned the, the weather outside, but there's another thing that's going on this time of year, at least where I live, and that is that we have these huge fluctuations of temperatures. So two days ago it was 70 degrees. Tomorrow it will be in the 30s. Uh, we had uh, another day a couple of weeks ago where one day it was 68 degrees and the next day it didn't get up to even 25 degrees. And now that's a big shift for me. I, maybe that's not for everybody, but I recognize that you can't quite get used to the temperature shifts because it keeps coming at you differently. So one day I'm bundled up, the next day I'm bundled down. I try to, to you know, try to get used to the temperature anyway. So it's, it's part of my morning thing to just let it go. But it is a huge difference to be out one day in shorts and a t-shirt walking the dogs and the next day to be in fleece and still be very cold because of the change. Now, if winter is steady, it's easy to get used to it. If something is hot, the days get hot, it's easy to get used to that. So in the summer, once we get to that steady state, I get pretty used to the temperature. In the winter, I get pretty used to the cold. It's the fluctuations that throw us off. So how does the weather affect your marriage crisis? Well, the same thing. If it was a steady state, if it was something you could kind of get used to, then 
you would adapt to it, whatever it is. There are stories from World War II that have, of how life just kind of went back to normal in London and other um, English cities where there was bombing going on on a regular basis. But because it happened on such a regular basis, they kind of got used to it and went, okay, life goes on. Uh, the same thing was true in Ireland uh, during the crisis there that the citizens kind of went, okay, life goes on. Because it was a regular event, the irregularity of a crisis is what throws us off. If we don't know what to expect tomorrow, that's difficult. If you know tomorrow will be bombing, the next day will be bombing, you just kind of go, okay, I adapt. It doesn't mean you're going to be optimal, but you will adapt to that. However, that's not as true when you have these shifts that come along the way. And so those shifts throw you off. They keep you kind of on your toes and trying to figure out what's going on. Now, let me just point to the fact that that little thing where we get used to things, whatever they are, it's why couples get into trouble. Couples don't suddenly go from fully connected and fully in love to fully disconnected and not sure what to do. They go on a steady, steady drop in connection. So steady in the drop that they don't really notice it along the way until they suddenly hit a crisis point. So the same thing that I'm describing is how marriages get into trouble. And suddenly the crisis is upon you and then it becomes unsteady again. So here's some things that happen in that process. The first thing I see is that people lose focus. They start off with very clear objectives of what they want to do to uh, help work on the connection with a spouse, to, to work on themselves, to even understand the relationship differently. My three C's of connecting, changing yourself, and creating a new path. They start off with some good focus on that, but over time, this exhaustion creeps in and they lose focus. They sometimes drift in focus. They sometimes stop uh, paying attention to all those important things, but they lose focus along the way. The second thing is, interestingly, almost on the opposite thing, is they get very hyper-focused on the small things. I see this a lot with this, uh, this fatigue when people get super focused on, did I get a hug? Are they wearing their ring? What are they posting on social media? I mean, it's these very small details that they get so hyper-focused on trying to figure out what it means. That's an indication that they're grasping because of the exhaustion. So on the one hand, they lose focus of what to do in the process. On the other hand, they get hyper-focused on individual little things that aren't as uh, significant in the overall process. They get hyper-focused on those little things. So the third thing that comes out of that is they actually end up stopping their actions. They stop acting on the plan. That's assuming they had a plan, but they stop acting on their plan. Now, that's one of the things that I encourage people to do is to have a written plan. It's one of the things I cover in my VIP program. I actually have a fill-in-the-blank plan because I find it to be so important where I walk people through building their plan. Because in this exhaustion, you kind of need an instruction guide to remember. Sometimes when I talk to people, I'll say, you know, tell me about your plan. And they'll tell me they have a plan, but it turns out that their plan is kind of a thought in their head, right? Some few ideas that they have here and there. And that's easy to lose track of. 
It's easy to stop acting on a plan when you, even when you do have a plan, but you're hitting the fatigue, but it's so much easier to stay on your plan if you've got one in the first place, even through the exhaustion. And we're going to talk about how do you deal with that exhaustion in just a minute, but that's a big one. They just stop acting on their plan. And that usually leads right back to where they've been. If you've been making progress, I mean, think about it in terms of uh, maybe you're going to the gym to get in better shape, right? And you're making progress, feeling good, and then something happens and it throws you off. And so you stop going to the gym. Are you going to stay as in shape as you were when you were in the gym? Nope. Or let's say that you've turned over a new leaf and you're eating more healthily and you're working on that, but somewhere along the way, you kind of stop doing that. You know, you fall off the wagon or, or whatever. Are you going to maintain whatever health gains you've had because of those changes? Nope. We drift back to the less healthy place, which leads to number four, where I see a lot of people doing some very unhealthy coping. And I'm going to put the coping in parentheses. People have told me, or, or in, in quotations, uh, people have told me that they find themselves um, hitting a little more wine at night or the junk food or, um, you know, going to the bar or lots of other, other unhealthy coping strategies because they're exhausted. And when we're exhausted, we tend to not make the healthier choices, the healthier decisions for ourselves long term. We're trying to find a short term feel good. Unfortunately, almost every one of those short-term feel-goods has a short-term painful payoff at the end. So you get a little short-term pleasure, but it comes back to bite you. Number five, and this is just as deadly, people tend to isolate and negate. In other words, they stop seeing their friends and family. They stop spending time with people that they get something from. They isolate because they don't know what else to do and they negate. So somebody tries to pull them back to a better place and they negate what the other person is doing. And in that process, they continue the, the downward spiral that happens in this. So those are five things that often happen when people get to this, this place where they have a crisis fatigue. So how do you deal with it? Let me give you five ways of dealing with it. Number one, give yourself a break. There's some, some place that I think is very healthy to just take a breath and give yourself a break and realize that you're probably doing the best you can. Why do I say that? Because people do the best they can given where they are. So give yourself a break. This is tough. Dealing with the marriage crisis is exhausting anytime. And if it's been going ongoing for a while, that exhaustion makes it harder. So give yourself a break. I think people tend to be very hard on themselves um, almost always. And then the places where they might want to you know, focus a little bit better to be better, they fail because they've been so hard on themselves in other areas. So give yourself a break. You're doing the best you can. Take a breath and recognize that. Second thing. Do not become monofocused. Your marriage crisis is not your life. It is a part of your life. Many people tell me how they've listened to my podcast and other programs 
every night for hours and hours and they get up listening to them and they're reading my book and my materials and my program and other books and other materials and other programs and they are constantly on the lookout for one more thing to add to their arsenal. That becomes monofocused and it has the exact opposite effect you want it to. There's only so much you can bring into your system and only so much focus you can put on one area of your life before A, that area gets so much attention that it exhausts you and B, it ignores all the other areas of your life. Don't be monofocused. Saving your marriage is absolutely important. But being only focused on that isn't helping that nor is it helping the rest of your life. And it is a part of your life, not your life. So make sure you maintain multiple points of focus, your hobbies, your friends, your family, your kids, if you have them, your work, your health. I mean, there's so many other areas of life that need your attention too. And by the way, helps to balance and keep you from having this crisis fatigue. Number three, practice self-care. It's okay. Sometimes people feel guilty if they do something for themselves. Go to the gym or take a walk. Maybe you need to take a course. Maybe you need to you know, pick up a new hobby or, or do some self-care. Go have a spa day. Go enjoy a time with your friends. Do something else. But don't feel guilty about that. I want you to think of, the, and, and I always kind of chafe at the idea that uh, we humans are like batteries, and yet here I'm about to use that exact analogy. Use your phone all day long. At some point, you got to plug it in and recharge it. The more you use it, the more you have to recharge it. If you're like my phone, if it's like my phone, you know, every night, it's about down to zero. So I have to plug it in and recharge it. I can't use my phone past when the battery is dead. You can't either. You have to recharge that battery sometimes. So you got to take some time and recharge and take care of yourself. Number four, remember your team, the people around you, the people who love you, the people who are on your side. Remember to be a part of that. Now, there's always a threat of allowing a relationship to become unhealthy, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sticking with healthy relationships along the way. People who can give you what you need to bring you back. Your team. I've got another podcast that I'll link in the show notes about having your team and remembering your team, making sure you've got your team built because we humans are social. And many times in a marriage crisis, you've lost your major point of social contact with a spouse. So you've got to have some other places to keep you moving forward. And number five, set up your healthy practices. Make sure you're eating well. Make sure you're getting enough exercise. Make sure you're sleeping well. And make sure that you are dealing with your internal stuff well, your stress well. I'm going to link uh, to other uh, episodes that let you know how to build your thriving body that is on my Thrivology podcast. But you do need to make sure you have some healthy practices in place. Those are the habits you want to build. So crisis fatigue, it is real. What you're feeling or what you might be feeling is absolutely real. It doesn't have to sabotage your process. 
there is a way to make sure that it doesn't overwhelm you and even how to move back from that. But make sure you do. Make sure you notice the symptoms as they arise because the sooner you notice, the better you can deal with that. Don't let the crisis fatigue take down your efforts. If you're not even sure how to create that plan, how to, what goes into that and why this is even happening, please check out my program, the Save the Marriage System at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. While you're going through there, I'm going to offer you a free week of VIP. In that VIP, if you sign up for that free week, you can get access to that plan that you need. I'll, I'll walk you through the process of creating that plan right there on the form. So you have the plan to go and lots of other resources that are available for free week. You that's, it's completely free. And just to make sure that you're not falling into this fatigue, this crisis fatigue, you also get a get started session with one of my coaches. It's a 15 to 20 minute session just to make sure you've got a good, strong start. Um, you can get that too right now while we have room in our program. You can get that and you can find all of that by starting out at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.